Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Mitch, will you open us up in prayer? Sure. Lord, we just thank you for the awesome morning just this morning. Thank you just for the little bit of moisture that we've gotten. Lord, we just pray for a little bit more. Uh, we don't want to be greedy with it, but Lord, we just thank you for everything that we get. Uh, just thank you for awesome weather this morning. Just everybody who just came out and just uh, God with us this morning and just enjoy your beautiful creation and also this great sermon that Kevin has to give. Lord, continue just to bless him for all that he does for us and just continue to bless him with the sermons that he gives, Lord, um, just to speak right to us. And it's your name we ask these things and praise your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mitch. Um, I'm going to be showing my age starting out this story because, you know, it's kind of like whenever your parents used to tell you, you know, they used to have to walk to school, you know, barefoot in the snow, uphill both ways, that type of thing. Well, I've got one of those things for y'all younger generation. You're not going to believe it. But um, whenever I was going to college in San Angelo, Texas, um, you know, I, I ran short of money. Rent was, you know, rent truck payments, all of that. And we, whenever we ran short of money, um, there used to be this thing that we did and it was called find another job. That's what we did. We didn't call mom and dad. Well, mom and dad didn't have no money anyway, but you know, we, we went and got another job. And so, uh, sometimes in a college town, jobs can be few and far between. So I was looking in, I'm going to show my age again. There used to be these things called classifieds in the back of a newspaper. And they would, you know, there'd be some help wanted. And so you'd go look at the classifieds or grab the thrifty nickel, look under jobs and stuff like that. And man, I called a bunch of them, never worked, whatever. So anyway, I finally got a hold of somebody and said, yeah, we're looking for somebody. And it was in the evenings and it was a job I could do. It was like from seven to six to 10 or seven to nine. Or, no, it was more than that. Seven to 10. I don't remember, but it was in the evening. Feel free to have a seat guys on that table and, uh, or up here. Um, anyway, so I, I said, what do I need to know? And he said, man, just show up with your driver's license and you know, we need all the help we can get. And I said, are there any qualifications? He said, can you read? I was like, well, yeah, I can read. And I said, well, show up. We'll, we'll explain everything when you get here. I was like, okay. So I walk in and I had to sign my W-4, give them my license and you know, social security number and all that stuff. And I still don't know what we're doing. You're really hard up when you're going to a job, you're getting hired and you don't know what you're doing except you gotta read. I walk in there and there are 50 phones lined up. And a guy standing there, one guy hands you a script and the other guy tears a, tears a page out of the phone book, says call these and read that. If they wanna donate, fill this card out. I was like, uh, okay. I mean, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, right? For money. And so I went in there and uh, I called these people. Man, I tried to be cool. I tried to auctioneer the little deal. I tried everything, right? I got called bad names, got hung up on and, you know, all the things that y'all good Christians do to telemarketers. And um, anyway, but I finally got a dude. I called, I gave my little spiel for the Lions Club. I really doubt it was for the Lions Club, but that's what we were saying. That's probably organized crime. I'm going to go to jail now. They know who worked there. Called, ran through my spiel, and this guy says, yeah, I'd be glad to donate. 
like, really? He's like, yeah. And I said, well, do you want the bronze, silver, or the gold level? He goes, I'll, I'll do gold. I was like, really? And I said, well, I, I just need your information. And he said, you need my address? And I said, no, I just need your credit card information. And he said, well, I don't have one of those, but I'll give you two gold donations if you'll just come to my house and talk to me because nobody ever comes and sees me anymore. Man. And I said, you know what, sir? You just keep your money. You just keep your money. And I hung up the phone. I told him bye, but I hung up the phone. And I walked out of that place. I didn't tell him I was leaving. I just hung it up, scooted my chair back, walked out, and everybody thought I was going to the bathroom or something. I didn't even ask for my two-hour wages. I just went home. Because, yeah, there was no experience required, but it didn't seem like much character was required either. In the book of Titus, Paul is writing to a Greek leader of the church of Crete named Ah, close! That was close! Titus. Delilah? No. It's Titus. And so he writes him a basically a Cliff's Note letter of how to run a church. Okay? A Cliff's Note version of how to run a church. And in the very beginning, he kind of talks about the qualities of leadership. Okay? And in Titus 1.5, in the Simplified Cowboy version, it says, I left you in Crete to finish the gathering we had started. I asked you to find some cowboys who could lead other men in riding for the brand. Paul then gives us some ideas of what to look for in those types of people. And a lot of them are, are pretty, you know, like uh, obvious, you know, like you know, the husband of one wife. I guess you can't. I don't know why anybody want more than two. Or maybe I just mean more than one. Two or more is too many. Okay? It's true. We just want to love on just y'all one. But the cool thing about Paul's list to Titus is that very little of it has to do with knowledge or skill. Most of it is character. Most of it is character. And some of the things that Paul lists to be looking for the good character in somebody is enjoying having people in your home, being hospitable. And I, I don't know, I kind of found, not that that's a bad thing, but I kind of found that funny that biblical qualification for leadership in the character is somebody being hospitable. And it makes sense. It does. It makes sense. Love what is good. Love what is good. And once again, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to be an evil person to hate what is good. And to love what is evil, and I guess it exists, but Paul tells Silas, look for people that love what is good, that live wisely and be just, to be devout and have a disciplined life. Look for people that have a strong faith, and look for people that can encourage others, encourage others. And I love that, that that's kind of the last of that little group is be encouraging to others. But I think that there's some more less common positive character traits from some of the early leaders of the Bible that I think that we can learn a ton from. At least I did in studying it. I mean, I really, really enjoyed this, this study this week. 
and we're going to talk about three early leaders in the church and the positive uncommon character traits that they had the first one is paul himself an uncommon positive characteristic is being able to take a punch maybe being able to take a hit because nobody could take a hit like paul could his entire ministry was one of suffering i mean it's the, from the thorn in the flesh um and in second corinthians paul says five times i was given the 40 lashes minus one now why does he why didn't he just say 39 lashes he said, I received the 40 minus one lashings because 40 by the Romans was considered the death penalty. So if you were given 40 minus one, you were given one less than what should have killed you. And he went through it five times. Okay. You want to talk about somebody can take a punch? That's Paul. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. He was stoned and left for dead. That does not mean he was passed out, okay? He had rocks thrown at him till people thought he was dead, okay? We're gonna have to use a new word these days for that. He was rocked. He was rocked and left for dead. <laughs> well, it is kinda, huh? <laughs> You're in charge of coming up with a new word for that. Uh, <laughs> right? That's way worse. Uh, and he was thrown in jail i don't know how many times i mean this dude knew how to take a punch so what can we learn from paul's life to be able to take a punch because isn't that a good character trait that somebody even when things are caving in even when it's so bad you don't know what to do that somebody can still have the faith and still keep going maybe you know i'm not saying that you got to be happy and joyful and you know blowing bubbles everywhere when you're going through something like that but you can still be able to take a punch and keep going so how do we take a hit like paul well we do what paul did and one time him and silas are thrown in prison they're beaten they're thrown in prison their backs are raw this time they not the lashes but the rod i didn't even mention how many times he was had the rod you know sticked i don't even know what to say anymore but anyway he was beaten over the back with a stick and then him and Silas are put in prison, but their feet are put in stocks. Okay, it's a board with two little round holes cut out where your feet go in there and they put another board on top where you can't move. Which way is, how can you lay down in a set of stocks? On your back, right? Well, they can't lay on their back, it's bloody. I mean, you wanna talk about having a bad day? Cause you know, we go around here all the time and I know I'm not the only one, and I'm probably the main one, that every time something goes wrong, oh, you know, the sky is falling, everything's going bad, you know, tractor won't start, we can't find the router, blah, blah, blah. You know what? None of us have ever been beaten and stuck in stocks, right? But what did Paul and Silas do when that happened? Did they complain? No. Did they gripe? No. Did they blame God? No. What did they do? They sang hymns. They sang hymns man praising god when things are at their worst is how paul was able to take a punch and i mean that that takes some strength and that takes some guts and that takes a whole passel of faith to be able to take a punch like that and at your very worst at the very lowest being able to sing a hymn man if you want to take a punch that's what it's going to take is a faith like that 
The second thing that we can learn from Paul is not to stop or make excuses. I mean, they've just been shipwrecked, okay? They have just been shipwrecked. They're cold. They've been in the water. They're on this beach or whatever, and they're gathering firewood to make a fire. Paul leans down. He wasn't from Texas, or he'd have looked before he, laid, before he leaned down to get that wood. But he leaned down and got that wood, picked it up, and a poisonous snake bit him on the, on the hand. He just took the snake and threw it off and just kept gathering wood. Everybody's freaking out. They're like, oh, that was a poisonous snake. That's a poisonous snake. Paul's like, well, I don't really remember what he said. But it was something like, well, if it kills me, it kills me. If not, I'm still going to gather firewood. Right? Hey, you know what I would do if I got bit on the hand by a snake? I would not keep gathering firewood. I'd probably be going and finding some new drawers first. Trying to get Ty to suck the venom out. <laughs> what about on my feet? <laughs> he says, nope, you're going to die. You're going to die. Let's pray for Kevin. He's fixing to die. But you know what? He never stopped doing what he was supposed to be doing. Even when he got bit by a snake. Don't stop because the easiest thing in the world when we're going through bad times is just to shut down. Man, that's not taking a punch. And I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody about that, man. When, it, when it, things start getting going bad, man, you just kind of shut down. But that's not taking a punch like Paul would. And the other thing that we can learn from Paul's life is to focus on the needs of others. Focus on the needs of others. The last time I preached two weeks ago, we were in 2 Timothy. And Paul was writing to... <laughs> That's our new joke. Um, he's writing to Timothy. He is in prison in Rome waiting to get his head lopped off. And what does he do? He's worried about Timothy. And he writes him an encouraging letter telling him how much he loves him. You want to talk about taking a punch? I mean, his head's fixing to get chopped off. He's not feeling sorry for himself. I mean, the closest he ever got to feeling sorry for himself is he's like, I don't know what's better, to do the Lord's work down here or be with the Lord. He's like, I think being with the Lord's better, but until he takes me, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing down here. Right? But if you want to be able to take a punch like Paul, you've got to fo focus on the needs of others, and you'd be surprised at how far you can keep going. Because when we dive into that pity party, man, you go down to, that, that's a, that's a death spiral. So if you want to take a, learn to take a hit like Paul, then praise God, especially when things are bad, don't stop, keep going, and focus on the needs of others. The second early church leader that I think that we can uh, find a less common positive character trait in is a guy named Cephas. You probably know him as Peter. You know what Peter was best at besides messing up? Peter could take a butt chewing. Think about how many times Jesus kind of jumped his case for doing something stupid. But yet, I, and I'm not going to say that it's not there. I'm not going to say I looked at every single interaction, but I flipped back to some of the big things like the transfiguration and, you know, some stuff like that. Uh, when at the end of John, when when uh, uh, Jesus says, feed my sheep and stuff like that. Every place I looked when Peter got in trouble and got a chewing from Jesus, not one time 
did I ever see that he threw a hissy fit about it. Not one time did I see that he talked back or got mad and quit. Well, you just don't appreciate me, Jesus. I'm out of here. He didn't do that. I guess Peter wasn't a cowboy because if he was, he'd have punched Jesus and quit. Right? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, well, that, not really. I, I know some guys that probably would have done that. He never got his feelings hurt that the Bible says. He never took it out on anybody else either. Man, he just took his chewing. And if you grow up being a cowboy, man, from an early age working cattle with your dad or your uncle or your granddad, you know how to take a chewing. You may not like it, but you have had the experience. But you know what I'm... Here, here's the point. Obviously... In regards to Peter, he was getting his hiney chewed by God. And that's what I'm talking about when I say learn to take a chewing like Peter did from God. And if we're going to be able to take a chewing like Peter did, that's a, that's a really positive, common, or uncommon character trait is to be able to listen to God, understand Him, and do what he says and that's what you have to do in order to take a chewing like peter you got to listen and that's you, you would think that that would be the easiest part of it is to listen to god but anybody that's ever tried it knows that it can be difficult because god speaks in this tiny whisper and yet the world is so loud our problems are so loud you know just everyday life just bombards us with all of this stuff but jesus isn't going to try to compete with the world to talk to us he's still going to talk to us but it's going to be in a gentle whisper and you got to learn to listen for that and trust in that and the second thing if you're going to learn to take a butt chewing like peter is to realize that you're the one that's wrong because it's god getting on you okay now you can argue with god i have tried it you get one guess of how well it worked none <laughs> it's never worked to this day now he'll let me you know, like whenever your kid makes up all these excuses of why they didn't do what you said, and you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you betcha. Oh, I, yep, yep. I don't care. <laughs> you still do what I told you to do. And that's what God does to us. We got to understand that what God, if God's given us a chewing about something, it's because he wants what's best for us. I mean, on Thursday nights, I mean, I've been out here, and I've heard Ty and Mitch and Brett, you know, maybe they had to not they've never made anybody like cry that i know of but sometimes you got to get somebody's attention and they've kind of hollered at somebody and it's usually for them to stop doing something but, and, but he's not doing it because he's mad he's doing it because he doesn't want that person getting hurt he doesn't want their horse hurt he doesn't want the livestock hurt and he doesn't sure doesn't want anybody else getting hurt around there so when ty's getting on to somebody like that it's not it's because he wants what's best for them not anything different. So you got to listen. You got to realize that God's right. You're not. And finally, don't make the same mistake again. Don't make the same mistake again. You know what that's called biblically? It's called repent. Repentance. It's when you, you've listened, God's got on you about something, your heart is convicted, and you turn from that sin and you go the other direction. That's how to take a chewing like Peter. And you know what? A lot of times I, f I think a lot of us identify with Peter. 
because we know how often we mess up. But keep going, just like, just like Peter did. And the last one that we'll talk about is, uh, is in the book of John. The book of John was written by... <laughs> What'd you say? Shamgar. <laughs> I told Mitch he had to like find the worst answer ever to those questions. That was that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, he did. He went straight Old Testament. But yeah, uh, the book of John was written by John. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that Mark and Luke weren't di weren't disciples? I asked somebody one time. I said, "How many disciples can you name?" They said four. I said, "Do it." They said Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I was like, "Well." You named two. John was a disciple. He wrote the book of John. And in it, he never said, he's in his own story a lot, right? But he never referred to himself as me or John. He referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> I love that. You want to talk about some audacity? You know, like... Jesus is introducing him to a Pharisee, and John walks out. He's like, yeah, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Nice to meet you. Right? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what a better way. And what can we learn from that? To be ourselves. That is an uncommon character trait, is to be able to be yourself and be confident in who you are. You know, at the Last Supper, it says in the book of John... We know that John is writing, the disciple that Jesus loved laid his head on Jesus' breast. Man, that is being yourself. Because I don't know that I'm going to let Ty do that to me, and I know he ain't going to let Mitch do it to him. Now, maybe if it's the Last Supper, maybe we'll consider it. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh oh, But, you know, I mean, he, he laid his head... Can you think of what the other 11 guys are looking at him and being like, suck up, right? Brown noser. But John didn't care. John didn't care at all. And another thing that John did, John was the only disciple at the foot of the cross. Think about that. He was the only disciple at the foot of the cross. He didn't care where everybody else was. He knew who he was. He knew who his Lord was. And where Jesus was going, that's where John was going to go. Consequences be darned. So what can we learn from that? First thing that we can learn from John about being yourself is to know that Jesus loves you. And I'm going to repeat that because I don't think a lot of you heard me. You think you heard me, but I don't know that you did. Know that Jesus loves you. Not that, not that front you put up for people. Not that act that you put on around your guy friends or your girlfriends or how you're a different person in front of your grandmother than, than the guys on the golf course or, the, or in the roping arena. God loves you. The real you. He wants you to be yourself. He wants you to be who he made you to be, the best version of that. And the only way that is possible is through a relationship with him. But he loves the real you. 
the real you. And don't be afraid. Second thing we can learn from him. Don't be afraid to lean on Jesus. To have that type of relationship, man, I, I, don't, I don't know that I do, but I, I think I want it. To be able to just, at any time, just lay your head on Jesus' shoulder. And you know, his shoulders are big enough for your problems. His shoulders are big enough for our struggles. His shoulders are big enough for our sins to be forgiven. But only if we learn to lean on him and quit relying totally on ourselves for everything. Sure, we got to learn uh, to know that Jesus loves us. But we also can't be afraid to lean on Jesus. And finally, you got to be willing to be you. You got to be willing to be you, even if you do it all by yourself. Even if you do it all by yourself. The real you. Not that fake one, not the pretending. And I do the same thing. I do the same thing. But I'd like to get to that point, guys. I'd like to get to that point. Because in the Bible, character is more important than skills or knowledge. Maybe you'd like to join me in working on yours starting today. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, today we thank you for who you are and all that you've done to bring us back to you. God, forgive us of our sins and strengthen our faith every single day. And God, I pray that if someone is listening now and has not put their faith in you as their Lord and Savior, that they do so now. No fancy words. Just a heart speaking to its maker. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.